Just before we start the show, we would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands on which we live, work and play. We acknowledge their ongoing connection and custodianship for country. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging and their stories and journeys that have led us to where we are today. Let's meet our next guest. Joining us in the studio today is Imogen Hewitt, who is the CEO of Spark Foundry. Welcome. How are you today, Imogen? I'm really well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's exciting to have you on the show. Um, Let's just jump straight into it. So the icebreaker we have for you today is... Did you have any celebrity posters on your wall as a kid? And if so, who were they? I was obsessed with 90s supermodels. Yep. And Johnny Depp. Everyone's obsessed with Johnny Depp, even now. He's come back. I feel like (laughs) there's some trouble with that association now that there wasn't when he was on 21 Jump Street. Yeah. So um, as a child, I feel like it was okay. I'm not quite so sure that I would be quite as much of a fan these days as I was then. Yeah. Super cute though, hey. It's super cute. (laughs) (laughs) What Uh, what kind of models did you have on your walls? Oh, all of the proper supermodels like yeah. the Lindas and Helena Christensen and um, Kate Moss a little later but yeah. the proper 90s um, Cindy Crawford yep. all of those women. So were you a mischievous child or were you an angel and do you have any stories to share about this? I was both okay, which I imagine was quite difficult for my parents to deal with. On the angelic side super yep. responsible. Yep. I was, uh, I was the kind of kid that my parents sent me to New Zealand with my five-year-old sister when I was 12 and, you know, we flew unaccompanied and I got really irritated with myself because I lost her jacket mm-hmm. and I'm actually still quite irritated by it and I'm considerably older than 12. <laughs> so that's, you know, like the very responsible first child, a lot of weight on the shoulders, I'm going to yeah. do the right thing and be the best I can be. Um, and then also had a tendency for high drama. So... For instance, I had a little friend who was um, in all of the Barbie Mattel commercials when we were little. Okay, that's cool. And I was incredibly jealous. And um, I don't think I did it on purpose, but I don't think I'm ever really going to be able to get into the deep psychology of what was going on that day. Yeah. We decided to play hairdressers. Okay. And I chopped her hair with crimping shears, (gasps) which I don't know if everyone knows what crimping shears are, but they're the ones that are like um, zigzag. Yeah. And her parents threatened to sue my parents for loss of income. Oh, my goodness. I'm in shock right now. It's a pretty full-on story, but I would like to maintain that we were just playing hairdressers. Yep. And the um, the deep psychological kind of uh, reasoning behind why I might be trying to ruin a six-year-old's career probably hadn't really occurred to me. Were you friends after that or no? Never quite the same again. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Surprisingly. Yeah. I think we were never – I was never allowed to be left alone in a room with her again. Okay. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that was a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll go on to the next question is what do you care about? In the world and in work, I care most about the people. Mm-hmm. I really think that I get most of my joy these days in a work sense out of just helping people unlock mm-hmm. parts of themselves that they didn't know were there or delivering things that they didn't know they could do Yeah. or overcoming, you know, the nerves and the... Um, performance anxiety that is often part of the roles that we have in agencies. Mm -hmm. And seeing people do stuff and be delighted with themselves makes me super delighted. So we invest a lot of time and effort and it's all really genuine into how can we be the best place for people Mm -hmm. to be and how can we help them be the best version of themselves that they can be. 
Yeah, and do you have like a um, standout story that you have, or just blanket your? Um, well, there's lots. Um, we have. I won't go. I won't tell you who she is because she'd be mortified. Yeah. But we have a really brilliant woman on our leadership team who gets super, super nervous about mm-hmm. delivering um, pitches. Yep. And she, she really overthinks it, and she gets really legitimately anxious. And I'm not going to downplay that because it is really legitimate. But I will do things like we had a big pitch, and I stood up to kind of open the meeting. And I said, I'm really nervous today because this means a huge amount to all of us. Mm -hmm. And so you might get a couple of wobbles out of the team, but it's just care factor. Yeah. And I did it deliberately just to open the room, the space for her to kind of take a deep breath and go, it's okay if you're nervous. It just means that you care. Yeah. And after that meeting, she came up to me and said, did you do that on purpose? And I said, I absolutely did that on purpose. (laughs) And she said, were you nervous? And I said, no, I wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) So it was just so that she didn't have to be waiting and building up all of this anticipation um, until it was her time to get up and say something. Well, that's really lovely. So that's a little one. It's easy. It's just Literally have a bit of empathy. Yeah. See what you can do for somebody else. Yeah. Make everyone's life a bit easier if it's within your control to do so. Yeah. Um, and then there's bigger ones like really working through, you know, significant personal difficulties and helping mm-hmm. people to see that there's um, a supportive work environment around some of those things and you can change what you do or you can change the days that you work or I, I've got your back. Yeah. So big ones, small ones, lots of ones. Yeah. What is your source of happiness? Well, I actually think happiness is a choice. Mm -hmm. I have children. I see that they go through all sorts of things like every other kind of human on earth. Mm -hmm. What I try and instill in them is that shiny, happy rainbows and unicorns is not very realistic and not in a like, oh, that's a bummer. Nice one, (laughs) mum. You're such a downer kind of way. But more in a think about all the things that you do have. Mm -hmm. And most things pass. Most things will teach you a lesson. And if you look around and you look at who loves you and how relatively lucky we are in the place we live and, you know, the the kind of friends and family and circumstance and health and all the rest of it that we've mm-hmm. all got, touch wood, then there's plenty to be happy about most of the time, most yeah, of yeah. the time. I mean, my dad is a, um, he was, he died, oh gosh, 15 years ago. Um, but he used to have a saying, which sounds a bit harsh, but I'd love to take the intent out of it. And mm-hmm. it was get a bigger problem. Mm-hmm. And he would say it to me because I used to whinge a lot um, in the early days of my career about, you know, this person did this and this person's a dickhead and whatever. (laughs) I'm sure everyone's done it, right? Um, The entire agency would fall apart if it wasn't for me, which was clearly very untrue. However, um, my dad, rather than kind of talk to me about the error of my ways, would just Mm -hmm. kind of insist that there are people with bigger problems than this. And if you think about it that way, perspective is a beautiful thing. So it's a bit off track, but I actually think happiness is how you choose to interpret things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I 100% agree. Um, What is the greatest struggle that you've overcome? Mm, Well, that's a hard question. I think my dad died when I was relatively young Mm -hmm. and um, not too long after he died, like a matter of probably six weeks, I was pregnant with my first child. And so that was a really difficult time. Yeah. On the one hand, my dad was an absolute legend, mm-hmm. like such a good guy. As I said earlier, really amazing advice, um, incredibly grounded, mm-hmm. you know, had has an amazing life story, which is not the topic of today, but he did. And um, <laughs> so losing him and he was an absolute confidant, mentor, friend was very difficult. And then I had to spend quite a lot of time working through in my own mind whether or not it was better 
that he didn't know what he missed out on mm-hmm. in terms of his grandchildren yeah, yeah, or whether or not what I missed out on and what they missed out on not having him was, you know, the bigger of two evils. And mm-hmm. I don't think there's an answer to that, but it yeah. just took a lot of thought. Ultimately, for him, better that he didn't know mm-hmm. because, you know, he would have loved it. He would have been an amazing grandfather. And his spirit and his kind of um, his wisdom and the things that he used to say and the funny stuff he did is just absolute mythology yeah. in our family still. So my kids get a taste of it and he didn't mm-hmm. have to have the pain of meeting them and then not being around. Yeah, yeah. And do you have a big family as well? Uh, no, not really. So mm-hmm. um, my mum was an, is an only child. Um, my dad had a brother and a sister, but mm-hmm. both my parents moved out to Australia from the UK when they were in their 20s. Mm-hmm. And then I've got a sister. So I'm married into a big Fijian, chaotic, extended family. Yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, I have a bigger family than ever before. Yeah. But, you know, I didn't have cousins in this country. I didn't have aunts or uncles. Um, I, I had my grandfather for a time. Mm-hmm. He used to come and stay with us in the summertime over, so he was in England for the summer and then Australia for the summer. Nice life if you yep. can get yourself to that point, <laughs> yeah. I highly recommend. Yeah. Um, but no, I kind of married myself into the big family that I never had. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, so one thing, we don't talk about titles, but I'm a little curious, what made you want to become a CEO and did you have like a light bulb moment going, yep, this is what I want to do? Yes and no. So always been ambitious, mm-hmm. um, but it really manifested more as I want to be as good as I can be. Yep. So in terms of a title, I did, I wanted to be, <laughs> I wanted to be a managing director by the time I was 30. Yeah. Completely made up. I don't know where <laughs> that came from or why or what I was trying to prove to whom, but anyway, yep. I did have that kind of thing in my head. Um, I was, I didn't quite make it. I was about two years off. Fair enough. I'll forgive yeah. myself. Yeah. Um, but the whole CEO thing was much less about I want to be a CEO. Mm-hmm. It was more about I was very fortunate to work with a great boss for a very long time. So I worked with this particular man for about 15 years and we had a very um, symbiotic relationship. Mm-hmm. Towards the end of that time, I kind of went to him and said, I think I can do your job now. And he said, I think you've been able to do my job for about the last five or six years. Yeah. And I said, I think I better go and work out if I can get that job um, and if I can do all of this without you. And he said, you absolutely can and I will give you every help that you need. Which, if you think about the fact that I was still working for him, yeah, um, was a pretty extraordinary piece of grace mm-hmm. to say, sure, and I'll help you negotiate that contract too if you want. And I was like, you're amazing. Uh, you did probably get five or six more years out of me than I needed to be um, working for you. But mm-hmm. he was, it was more a, I guess there's a light bulb moment in there somewhere when I kind of went, I think I can do this. And I don't think I need to be doing it with a safety net anymore. But then do you ever really know? No. Nah. <laughs> Not until <laughs> you get in there and give it a crack. Yeah. Um, and then you just have to manage your own kind of, you know, natural fears and hesitancy or um, imposter syndrome, whatever you might like to call any mm-hmm. one of those things. Yeah. But yeah. I didn't say I want to be the CEO. I said, I think I'm ready to give the next job a crack. And that happened to be CEO. Yeah. 
And then um, just to like sum everything up as well, before we were talking about what Beyond the Title is about and you had something really interesting to say about that. Do you want to share? Yeah, absolutely. So we were talking about the fact that, I don't know, socially and in business, we are so hung up on introducing ourselves as I'm Imogen, I'm the CEO of Spark Foundry and with all due respect, that is what you did at the beginning Mm -hmm. of the, the session. But we were talking about the fact that that's quite a Western sort of um, affectation. And I was part of some uh, sessions actually last year with an elder from the Indigenous community who was talking about the fact that in Indigenous terms of reference, you introduce yourself first by the land that you were born on Mm -hmm. um, and the importance of that land to you and then your family Mm -hmm. and then kind of the things that you're passionate about And the title of what you do for work is a very long way down that list. Yeah. And I love the fact that it makes you think about who are you as a human being as opposed to um, the false hierarchy and the weird narrative around I've got this big job and this big title Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, if you're a dickhead, you're still a dickhead. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Basically. (laughs) Um, And lastly, just to wrap this all up, beyond the title, who are you? Who is Imogen? Well, I think I'm open-hearted and quite joyful as a parent. Mm-hmm. I've, I find my children really fascinating little humans and I reckon that they teach me just as much as I teach them. So um, that's quite a big part of who I am. Um, you know, I'm a really generous friend. Mm-hmm. I adore my friends, quite often absent, but I think they forgive me because, you know, we've all got a lot of stuff going on, mm-hmm. um, stages of life and busyness and children and husbands and homes and all that jazz. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when I'm there, I'm really there. Mm-hmm. I'm quite good at being present. Yep. You know, um, I think it's one of the ways that I manage to have the job that I've got and still find happiness and time and joy for the rest of my life is when I'm when I'm here, I'm here. And when I'm there, I'm there. Mm-hmm. Um Pretty wise about some stuff. Yep. Um, still deeply insecure and question myself regularly. So I think that, you know, if anyone thinks you sort of, maybe some people get to the point where they're like, nah, I totally got this. Yep. Um, I'm still working on that one. <laughs> it depends <laughs> on the day. It depends on the challenge. Yeah. Um, and then I'm a decent wife. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful for the fact that I have an amazing husband. He literally keeps the world afloat in terms of our little um, family and our unit. He is a full-time dad and I think that is a much harder job than mine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think he's better at full-time parenting than me, so we're trying to kind of play the strengths. Yep. And then I reckon, like most people, there's a whole bunch of contradiction in there. And, you know, um, maybe the one thing that I have learnt in my many times around the sun now is that I'm pretty okay with the fact that it's all a bit weird. I'm a bit weird. I'm kind of different given what day it is or what the circumstances are. I still have that niggle in my head that's like, "Mm, you're not quite good enough. Someone's going to tap you on the shoulder. Mm -hmm. And then I have other days where I'm like, I am killing this. Yeah, it's fine. (laughs) Whatever. Roll with those punches. It's all good. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks again for your time. We'll wrap it up for today, but have a good rest of the day and thanks again. Oh, my pleasure.